I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you had a good weekend, and we're kicking off this Monday with uh, a hard-hitting interview, really. And, you know, we hear, you know, the abortion, obviously, after Roe v. Wade has been overturned, abortion's a big, big topic. It's going to come up in the fall, you know it will, and it's it's going to be ongoing, especially now that the, the decisions are back to the states. And we can all have our opinions, and, and many of them are very well-founded, uh, and I'm, I'm all for the discussion but I think there's a little different level when you go, okay, let's talk to someone who has education in, in the area, an OBGYN, someone who practiced many years in the area of, of babies, right, and birth, and someone who actually performed abortions. Uh, that's who we're talking to today. My guest is Dr. Patty Gibink, if I can get that pronunciation right forgive me if i butchered it uh but she has a, a book out now and it is called there it is sorry for the black screen it's called unexpected choice uh and this is about someone who has had quite the transformation um in in many ways and so i invite you to be a part of the conversation if you're watching us live you're welcome to the chat if you're watching in replay you'll find this very interesting dr gabink Thank you for being here on Life Today Live. Thank you, Randy. I'm really delighted to be here. So ju just to sort of set the stage, uh, give people a little bit of, of your medical kind of history so they know where you're coming from. Not personal medical well, history, <laughs> professional well, <laughs> history. <laughs> so um, medicine wasn't my uh, first career. I actually was a teacher first huh. and taught physical education, health, coaching. Um, and I went on to get actually to get a degree in exercise physiology and was working in that when um, my dad, who uh, was a doctor, was an orthopedic surgeon. He, when I was thinking about going back and getting a PhD in exercise physiology, he started asking me questions. And then he said, well, why don't you go to medical school? And I, growing up, Almost nobody, I no women I knew went to medical school. Hmm. Um, it just, if you want to go into medicine, you became a nurse. So it really wasn't uh, something I thought about. But then when he said that, and I thought, oh, well, maybe I should. <laughs> so by the time I went to medical school, I was in my 30s. And when I got out of residency, I was, I think, 40 or 41. So I wasn't, you know, real young. Um, but I, I had a passion for taking care of women. Mm. Um, and I think from that, uh, well, that's why I went into OBGYN. I thought about family practice and I thought, you know, I just, I just want to do what I want to do. So I did OBGYN. I did a residency in Indianapolis at IU Med Indiana University Medical Center. And I, at that time it, was not, you didn't ask, do you do abortions? Do you not do abortions? You have to be trained in abortions. That that was not an issue that people talked about, but it was a program that uh, had an abortion program, had a clinic 
actually in sort of a wing of the old uh, county hospital. And the abortion clinic was called the Well Women's Clinic. And I worked there a lot and learned how to do abortions from uh, a doctor who wrote the chapters in textbooks on perform how the technique for performing abortions. So I didn't think too much about it because I, I didn't really plan to be an abortion doctor. I just wanted to deliver babies and, you know, take care of women. So I went into private practice and after a while I was approached um, by Planned Parenthood to do abortions one day a week. And what happened was, is the uh, abortion doctor who had been doing abortions in South Dakota for a long time uh, was retiring and his exit strategy was to sell his private clinic to Planned Parenthood, who then he would work for them for a while until he wanted to leave. So I said, yeah, I could do that. Um, so most of the time I was doing, doing obstetrics you know, in my clinic, my own clinic, I would be seeing patients, doing obstetrics, doing some GYN. I could be delivering a baby. And then one day a week, I would go to Planned Parenthood and do abortions. And then the next day I might be delivering a baby. Um, can, can, I ask, people, uh, can I ask, before we get into some of the, the abortions, so I'm, I'm very curious now because I've never thought about this. But so you're going to school to be an OBGYN. So you're, you're schooled in the development of the fetus, of the child in the womb. And then I didn't even, what if they even teach you in a class on abortion? Because to in in my simple mind, that seems like sort of the opposite direction that you're being taught as, as an OBGYN. Is there, what are the, how do they teach that? Well, they don't, I'm, at that time, they weren't teaching about abortions in like medical school. Now I think that's changed, especially in some medical schools. In residency, uh, every every resident had to work in the well women's clinic, but you didn't have to do abortions. And the ones who didn't want to do abortions would do um, histories and physicals. And then the residents that were learning how to do abortions would do the procedure. So. A question that I would get when people hear about my story and they'd say, well, you know, if you're delivering babies and of course the goal is to have a healthy baby and right. a healthy mom, right? you know, how, how do you change hats and go terminate pregnancies? Right. And for the most part, I, I'm, maybe I just could compartmentalize because I didn't really associate one with the other. And only once when in the book I told about when the one day, eventually Planned Parenthood asked me to work full time. And so I closed my private practice, stopped doing OB and worked at Planned Parenthood full time. Now we still only did abortions on one day a week. Occasionally we do an extra day on a Saturday, you know, for people who couldn't get there during the week. And the rest of the time I'd be doing GYN or ultrasounds for dating pregnancies. Um, and one time uh, there was a woman who wanted a dating ultrasound and I went into the ultrasound room at Planned Parenthood and saw her belly and in my mind, my OB hat goes on and that's a baby, you know, that's a baby. Mm. So when I scanned her, she came out 
oh, I can't remember now if it was 23 and a half weeks or 24 and a half weeks, whatever it was. Um, I told her, I said, well, you certainly can't get an abortion in South Dakota because we only go up to 14 weeks. And uh, now I don't even think you can get one in Omaha. And she said, oh, I have an appointment in Kansas in two days, as long as I'm not beyond, I think it was 25 weeks. But, and I got her at a half, a few days less than the cutoff. Yeah. And uh, in my mind, I again thought, well, if I'd have known that in advance, I'd have tweaked a few of the numbers and made her beyond the point where she could get an abortion. Why? Because yeah. Because to me, that's baby. Yeah. You know, I think um, I did a, a pregnancy termination when I was a resident at 22 weeks, but it was an induction. So you come into the labor and delivery, you have a private room, and and we induce we induce the 22 weeker um, for the abortion, and that was in Indiana. I don't know what they do what they do now. Well, now, of course, they've banned abortion in Indiana, but um, but in South Dakota, there there uh, was a limit, and we only did first trimester, which, of course, even under the Mississippi law, which is 15 weeks, um, that would be okay. Mm. Although South Dakota now has a trigger law, so all abortions are banned. Oh wow! With yeah. a couple exceptions. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, so what what was it in particular? that started to change your mind about abortion being wellness for women uh, and maybe something a little different? So I worked at Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for three years, part-time for a couple years, full-time for one year. And, uh, and there were people who protested. I got hate mail, mm-hmm. I got called names, um, and none of that had any difference. If anything, it it made me dig my feet in and believe even more what I was doing was no, right. No, that, that's very interesting, and, and pro-lifers hear that, but go ahead. All the nasty photos and all that stuff just made me more determined to keep doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, when Planned Parenthood and I parted ways, which was September of 97. And I haven't done any abortion since. Uh, We parted ways and uh, I went back to working in private practice. Um, So it wasn't until I had a lot of humbling experiences and I and God finally put me to a place where he could speak to me mm-hmm. and put me in a small little church and uh, saved me, redeemed me, forgave me, and then started changing me. Uh, and one of the things that happened was I'd tried to read the Bible before because I'd been to a couple different churches, grew up in a Baptist church. My first marriage, I went to a Lutheran church. Uh, and then I kind of walked away from it. But uh, so I'm in this little church. 
and I got this hunger to read the Bible. Hmm. And it's like the, I could, I could start reading it and understanding it. Uh, and so for almost two years, another woman and I, she lived on a ranch and didn't come to town. So we had a phone Bible study <laughs> for just under two years. And so we, we were reading the Bible together. We both were older women who were just, you know, getting in the church. And, and we did this Bible study. And I just, as I read the Bible and I started understanding God's character and God's heart, and, you know, I didn't worry. There were two things that I was so ingrained in believing. One is, you know, reproductive rights, and the other was evolution. And in my small, somewhat provincial church, you know, people would just, they were so adamant against abortion and adamant against evolution and pro, you know, creation yeah. and God created. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of kept quiet and people really didn't know what I had done, <laughs> which, you know, was hard because when the topic of abortion came up and the the words were so heated and so passionate, but not always kind. Right. And so I would just kind of shrink in my chair like, oh, if they knew what I did, they'd hate me. Um, but eventually, slowly... God just revealed to me that his heart is life, that his character, his character is love and forgiveness and redemption, and he's also a just God. So there are things that, you know, that the Bible speaks about that are wrong. And, um, you know, murder and even hate and, and a lot of things are, are wrong. So eventually, you know, there, there wasn't an epiphany. There wasn't, you know, all of a sudden something hit me in the head and I said, oh, abortion is wrong. It was just a slow realization. Um, and then I got involved, or the word was out in 06, 2006. And uh, very slowly it got out that I had switched sides um, or was switching sides. So I was approached. Uh, South Dakota had uh, put uh, a referendum on the ballot uh, that would ban abortion and put it up to the vote of the people because the legislature had already banned abortions. But they put it up to the vote of the people and we lost by, I don't know, four or five percentage points. But in that time, they asked me if I would do a TV ad. Oh, and wow. supposedly, this is they said, well, we're going to individually take pictures of individual doctors. We're going to Photoshop them in together, and we're going to put this out. Well, once they videoed mine, they decided they would just put me on there. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying, I'm Dr. Patty Giebink, and I used to work for Planned Parenthood, and now I'm asking you to vote yes for life. And, whoa, you talk about coming out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And in the book, and you probably read the chapter where uh, it's called Fan Mail to a Feminazi, <laughs> where for, for some reason I had kept a lot of the mail that I had gotten over the years, both pro and con. 
And, and it's kind of funny as I went back and, and looked at that. But um, so the ad came out a couple days before it went on the air. I emailed my sister, who's uh, very pro-choice. <laughs> and she was not happy, said, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, but God had a plan. It hit the airwaves. And two days later, I flew to Pakistan for a month to work at a missions hospital doing saving babies, basically, um, doing obstetrics. And when I came back, the dust had settled. But now all of a sudden, my face was out there and I'd run into people who say, you look really familiar. I said, well, don't you remember those ads? And then, of course, I went back to church and I went, oh, my, what are they going to think? <laughs> yeah. Well, they've been pretty quiet. Most of it was, you know, they're very still very accepting and they're thankful that I changed sides and um, it's given me an opportunity to talk to people and say, do you remember how passionate you get? You know, I sat and felt condemned, judged and condemned and miserable. Can you imagine a woman who's had an abortion who already feels bad for the most part and they're sitting in church and they feel bad all over again because, you know, and I, people are, it's not that they're trying to hurt people, but they're so passionate about it. Yeah. So it's so important in this time, especially now for such a time as this, that the church learns how to talk about this topic in a compassionate way, because I would put money on it, that there are many people in your church who have been affected by abortion, who've Mm -hmm. been hurt by abortion, and we do not want to compound their pain. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about perhaps the better way. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, but I want to show people your book. This is Unexpected Choice by Dr. Patty Giebink. Uh, it's available now. Um, very interesting read, but also, I think, helpful in helping us do better at changing people's hearts and minds. Uh, I, there is something that happened to you in Minneapolis that I, I thought was interesting. Uh, can you tell us what happened there? Oh, refresh my memory. I'm this so is many at things. The conference, have happened. the the five day or five six day um, conference. Yeah. <laughs> this was in 2006. Also, this is kind of what started the ball rolling mm-hmm. because up until this point, I had suppressed everything. Um, just I don't know, maybe blocked it out. And I went to this conference with a couple of my friends. We drove six hours from the middle of South Dakota to Minneapolis to this conference on healing and deliverance. Mm -hmm. And at the end of five days, Friday afternoon, they invited people up to the stage uh, for comments and, and whatnot. And I am not one person, even though I get very talkative about my book, I'm not one person who really wants to go stand in line and get up on stage and, and mention anything, but I knew I was supposed to get in line. But by the time I got, in line, I was at the end of the line and they cut it off and they said, well, that's, that's all we can have time to take. So the line is getting shorter and I'm not really thinking too much about what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say, yeah, it was very helpful and informative and, uh, and no point up until this time did the A word come up (laughs) and God has such a sense of humor. I, I'm sure he just laughs a lot. Um, (laughs) The woman in front of me 
it's down to two people. She goes up. I'm the one, only one left standing. She goes up to speak. And she starts out with, she's a nurse, and she was working at a hospital in St. Paul. And she works in the operating room. And she, she looked at the schedule, and she was scheduled uh, to assist with an abortion in the hospital because it was it's legal. And they did a lot of probably later-term abortions in the hospital. But she knew. She just couldn't do it. So she talked to her supervisor and she said, you know, I, I just can't, I can't do that. You know, my, my belief structure, I just can't do that. And they gave her the choice of you either assist with the abortion or you leave. I mean, you quit. It's, you know, you, you can't refuse to work. So she's telling this and I'm laughing and crying, mm. thinking, okay, God, you had a purpose for me getting in this line and I'd really like to go sit down, but it's like my feet are nailed to the floor. Uh, so she finishes and leaves and I'm, I'm still crying and laughing and crying. And I walk up to the stage and the head of this international ministry hands me the microphone and and I said, you know, I'm I'm Dr. Patty Giebink, and I used to do abortions. And um, and I think I just started crying again. I, I couldn't really get anything out. And I said, I'm I am proof that no one is beyond redemption. God can save and redeem anyone. I'm proof. Mm. Look what I used to do. And as I went back to my seat women came up to me and hugged me and we were crying and and I can't believe that I said that and did that but God wants to reveal things and if if I would have just kept that a secret you know if, if you don't expose it to the light you know God makes your situation and your circumstances that that for me I do things I had no idea I was going to do. Mm. I just know that I'm supposed to show up. So, so that was kind of what kicked it off. Yeah, and and I love that story because, well, just all all the things around it. But I am curious. Did you have to? I mean, did did you go to counseling? There has to be some kind of healing that takes place so that you don't go down. So that you go down the road of redemption, not down the road of condemnation. Right. As you look back at, at you know the things you've done and it's true for everyone that's why i think it's a powerful story but in, in your case unfortunately in your case you you might have some christians escorting you down the road of condemnation uh and yeah, it, it's, yeah. A, it's a tough one yes and at first it took a while and like i said god arranged different circumstances um where i mean god knows what we need and the the his timing is perfect so it used to bother me when people would come up and say, you know, I know we're all sinners, but I've never done anything that bad. Right. And I, it used to just throw me for a loop. And and now, you know, I have been healed. I was healed. There are different places you can go. There's different ministries. And I was approached by a number of the ministries that said, you know, you can come out to... Oh, Oh, what's his name? He has one out in the Northwest, has a ministry for people who've been involved in abortion. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of others. And I just, I was working. I didn't really have time to go. But God orchestrated everything I needed. Yeah. 
And I think the point at which I was healed the most, and you can go online and find the YouTube video, um, very humbling. Uh, it was the call Nashville on July 7th, 2007, 777, talk about a perfect number. And many big names from different ministries were there. And, um, and then there was me, you know, the former abortion doctor. And we were repenting for our involvement in abortion. And of course, I was the only former abortion doctor. <laughs> there were other people. I think, um, uh, I think it was Sam Brownback was uh, yeah. repenting for politicians who'd been involved. And yeah. uh, so I got to see a bunch of very important people. And, and, and then there was me, the former abortion doctor. So I remember waiting to go on stage and I just felt like, what am I doing here? And I felt so miserable. And I thought I, I kind of knew what I was going to say, but God, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm standing on stage waiting my turn. And the woman in front of me is repenting for having had an abortion. I think she'd had a couple of abortions and and God just did me. I <laughs> found myself on the sta- floor of the stage, sobbing again, sobbing. And then Lou Engel, who uh, is the originator of the call, he yeah. lifts me up and hands me the microphone. Doesn't it say an introduction or anything? <laughs> and I'm still sobbing. And I laugh because there I can see myself on the jumbotron sobbing and saying, you know, I'm Dr. Patty Giebink. I used to do abortions for Planned Parenthood, and now I'm repenting for all the doctors who've done abortions Mm. and all the babies who have been lost and still sobbing. And, you know, I've looked at the videos. A friend of mine recorded the whole 10-hour, I think, event. But I looked at the videos, and it's so weird because my face before I repented was different. Mm. After I repented, Mm. it's like, it's different. It's peaceful. It's Mm. different. People have even said, you're different. Mm. And I said, it's it's all God. It's not me. I mean, it's all God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple scriptural references to a countenance. You know, and and it's it's visible, and yeah. that's that's really uh, that that's deep and it's beautiful, uh, and that's God. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of quick questions for you. Uh, before, we're winding down, sort of, but you you said a couple times that you perform abortions for Planned Parenthood, and I have heard many times, and I don't know because I don't you know I don't know, but I've heard they don't actually do abortions. What what's what's going on here? Does Planned Parenthood do abortions or just refer abortions or are they intertwined? I mean, I don't understand the situation entirely. Well, that's a good question. And I would venture a guess that most Planned Parenthood clinics do abortions. Certainly the ones, the big Planned Parenthood clinics in New York and uh, areas where there's a lot of people and they always seem to put them up in areas of um, certain areas. Low income, low income areas. Yep. So they don't have to get transportation there. Um, and Planned Parenthood, the number one thing they do is abortions. Now, not every 
Planned Parenthood does abortions. And I know that there's uh, federal money that says you can't get money for providing birth control if you do abortions. Mm. I don't know how Planned Parenthood separates one from the other, but, uh, you know, abortions is their bread and butter. Mm. And in fact, where I worked on abortion day, I think it was eight or 10 abortions we'd break even. So obviously we scheduled at least double that because you don't always have people show up and they don't call and cancel and you can't get hold of them because most of the time it's not, you know, a workable phone number. So there's no communication. So you overbook because you figure X number of people aren't going to show up. So we knew we had to do many more than what it took to to break even. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's huge. And uh, truly Planned Parenthood, I think their number one thing is to do abortions. All right. So the next time I hear some talking head on the news running down that line or somebody commenting on one of these channels, I'm going to go, mm, I talked to a doctor who used to do them. So <laughs> yeah, they finally yeah. get this one straight because, yeah, yeah, it's just I get I get tired of the, the misinformation and disinformation and you, you were there. Last question, and maybe maybe one of the most important ones, definitely one of the most important ones. As pro-lifers, and I am staunchly pro-life and never will apologize for it, um, but guilty of being insensitive to women who have been through abortions at times uh, out of ignorance on my own part. I, I hope I've avoided the meanness that you encountered. Uh, I don't ever want to go there. What is the best way for us to bring people out of the mindset that they're in um, to redeem people, to to reach them with God's love and life and, and not with just judgment and condemnation? Well, several things. One, read my book. <laughs> and uh, I have a friend who was trying to talk to her sister who is very pro-choice, and she said, how can I tell her that abortion is wrong? And she, you know, I gave her your book. She read it. She said it was non-judgmental. I said, good. Use it as a foundation. Ask her, what did you like out of the book? What did you dislike? What Mm. did you agree with? What did you disagree with? Did you learn anything new? Mm. So make it about the book, not about your relationship with your sister. Don't make it personal. Mm. Um, Churches, I've talked to churches and I've said, you know, until the church is a safe place for all sinners, it's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. So you need to just imagine Just imagine that, think everybody, whether they know it or not, in your church has been affected by abortion. And how would you speak to them knowing that if you're talking to somebody who either had an abortion, paid for an abortion, or whose best friend had an abortion, or just assume that they've been affected by abortion and have your language that way. Um, Start talking about abortion as far as uh, maybe have a, have a, well, you know what needs to happen is more ministers need to read my book. <laughs> I sent, I sent my book to um, the head guy in South Dakota for my denomination. And when I ran into him a couple months later, I said, have you read my book yet? He says, oh, it's on my night table. I said, well, just read the introduction. And then if some chapter piques your curiosity, read that. You don't have to read the whole thing. Yeah. Even though 
it's easy to read and maybe you could do it if you're a fast reader in five hours. Yeah. Because I think it'll give them some background because a lot of people who are in the pro-life movement have no idea what the other side is like other than what they see on TV. And it's gotten insane. Right. It's gotten absolutely crazy. I can't believe what people are saying and doing. So just don't assume that nobody in your church has been affected by abortion. Yeah. I think number one, that's important. Ministers need to find out more about it and how they can, uh, and maybe you want to start a program for people who've been affect have yeah. have been hurt by abortion yeah, or affected by abortion. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard, you know. Like for me, my goal is is to talk to more people who don't agree with me all the time, even if I'm just talking about the weather. Even I'm just smiling <laughs> if I smile and say, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, I lost all my friends pretty much when I came out on the other side mm. and I have gotten some really new good friends, awesome friends, but I grieve the the friends that I've lost mm. and maybe eventually we'll, we'll reconnect. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in the same boat. It's how, how do you talk to people? Um, you'll find something you agree about. It's like, at what point, at what point in the spectrum do we agree? Do we agree that, when a a pregnancy is full term that it's wrong to terminate that pregnancy unnecessarily right right i mean if if the baby is a month or two from delivery is it wrong to terminate that pregnancy because to me that's a baby mm-hmm. that's that's not you know something that you can end their life right let me ask you this on, on the other end of it is there any case where you think abortion is morally acceptable? Do you remember a few months ago, a couple months ago, where it came out that there was this 10-year-old girl in Ohio that was raped mm-hmm. and was pregnant because of it? Yep. My first response was, oh, that's fake news. That can't happen. The youngest person I've ever delivered was 12. And I thought, 10 years old, that's a little girl. You know how tragic that she was raped and she's really i thought it was a hoax well then it comes out that it wasn't a hoax and they said the reason she couldn't have an abortion in ohio was because uh they don't have exceptions for rape or i, I forget what it Incest. was i believe it was it was a, a stepdad or something or just a living boyfriend maybe but it was a, someone she knew anyway okay so she had to go to Indiana, where, of course, now she can't have an abortion because it's illegal. But so she had to go to Indiana and there was this big thing about it was a hoax because nobody had uh, reported it to the authorities. But then it they found out they had, a, you know, well, to me, a 10 year old who's raped and is pregnant because of that. I mean, a 10 year old is a girl. It is a threat to her life and her safety yeah. to carry a baby to term. Yeah. Unless for some reason she's very, very, very mature and wants to take this baby to term. To me, that's a conundrum. Yeah. That's that's a conundrum. To me, she's still a girl. Um, uh, I've yet to meet a mature ten-year-old. <laughs> you know, but maybe physically yeah. mature is what you mean. Yeah. But, and you know, the other hand, if you have an abortion, is that adding insult to injury? Yeah. So so there's all kinds of things, but. Um, 
Let me ask you this. Do, do, you, do you consider conception to be when the egg is fertilized or when a fertilized egg implants in the wall of the uterus? Well, by definition, conception is when the egg is fertilized. Okay. Well, thank you. And that happens in the fallopian tube, in a certain segment of the fallopian tube. Okay. Um, is where it's fertilized. Is, is that when you believe life begins? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, there's all kinds of things we can uh, argue about, discuss, yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's why I brought uh, it up. Yeah, spontaneous abortions, twinning, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the term abortion, you have to remember that the term abortion is a neutral term. In medical school, a spontaneous abortion is a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, a woman who comes in who's... Uh, let's say in the first trimester who's bleeding and is passing tissue, that's an inevitable abortion. Okay. That's not elective. So when we talk about the laws about abortion, we're talking about elective Elective. termination of pregnancy. It's totally elective. There's no other reason. The mother isn't endangered because of diabetes or high blood pressure or, you know, her life is not in danger. That's, not an elective termination of pregnancy when the life or health of the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And as an, as a, um, doc, I have certainly done a lot of ectopic pregnancies and those are emergencies that will never be considered. There's never a consideration that that would be an abortion and it would be illegal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, very informative. I, we could probably go on, but um, I'll give you the last word. Uh, yes, pick up the book. Uh, it looks like you can you get uh, get it at unexpectedchoice.com. That is the name of the website. Uh, and the book looks like this. Fascinating, thought-provoking, uh, and I think helpful, especially for those of us who are pro-life and want to understand just better what we're dealing with, how to deal with it, and how to do it in the right way. But, but Dr. Giebink, Please, the last word goes to you, uh, whatever, whatever you want to end on. I appreciate you being well, here. Well, um, I gave my book to a number of my friends that are pro-choice. One was the first um, review on Amazon, <laughs> and she sent it to me. She said, is this okay? And I said, I would not change a word even if I didn't like it, but it's perfect because she goes through and she talks about the book, and then she says, and... She's still pro-choice. Hmm. So I'm, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm telling you what I lived through. I'm telling you about my journey. Uh, I take you overseas where I work in missions hospitals where we don't, they don't have the health care we have, and I'm literally saving babies. Hmm. So, I mean, that's my, that's my passion. Um, I talk about legislation. I talk about... My really, really, really good friend who founded uh, Alpha Center in Sioux Falls, which is a pregnancy help center, and and how our relationship has just been so much fun. And she, if anybody, helped me because she and her Alpha Center, they love me. Mm-hmm. They're so compassionate, mm-hmm. and they've I've never felt judged. I've never felt anything negative from any of them. You know, I'm always getting cards from them that say, we love you and thank you for all your help. And 
they just came around me and loved me. And people like that loved me into the kingdom mm. and loved me into the pro-life movement. Oh, uh, I love that. It reminds me of the old Sunday school song that we sang when I was a kid. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And, yeah. and that is it. Dr. Gibink, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate the insight and you taking the time to share with our audience today. Well, thank you, Randy. I, I hope this was helpful. Absolutely. And uh, wow, out there watching, thank you for being a part of the conversation, for your comments, for your for watching. Hit share. This is, this is the kind of thing that we need to really dive into. If we're going to win hearts and minds um, into the, the pro-life movement and into God's love, into redemption, into a better way, that's what we're here for. So uh, hit, hit that share button. If you haven't subscribed or followed, do that and come back. We've got more for you all week here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. This is your hour, angry mob. But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. This is your hour. This is your hour. Because it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the soul of your day. Sunday is coming.